Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that doesn't suck. Now, let's talk tech. Welcome back to another episode of the Event Tech Podcast. I'm just so jazzed right now because we have an amazing episode for you today. But before we do that, I got to introduce my amazing co-host, the well-groomed Brant Kruger of Event Technology Consulting. Well, thank you. I, 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 that, that's very kind of you. And that gentleman over the air is the Cynicologic Will Curran of Endless <laughs> Events, which, yes, I absolutely had to look up. Uh, it, it, we, what we determined what it means. <laughs> well, it was one of those definitions that then is like, of or relating to cynicology. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cynicology, of course. That's exact. So then I had to look that up, which is a branch of ecology that deals with the structure, development, and distribution of ecological communities. Ooh, so Ooh. I think uh, so. It sounds very uh, well placed for today's episode because exactly. we have an amazing guest with us. So I think we 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 need to introduce this guest so we can get to the meat of the conversation as soon as possible. Brant, who's our guest today? <laughs> we, we, well, I'm trying to introduce. Him. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I love it when we get a hot take from outside of our bubbles. Like, we know, we, we're so, like, in our own little event worlds, and we go to event conferences about events, and we go to events about events, and, you know, we're just in in our event bubble about learning about, and we're talking about engagement and event apps and things like that. So when I get a hot take coming from somebody that's outside of our bubble, I try to take notice, and I, I really enjoyed uh, this article. So we are lucky to be joined uh, today by Mark Hirschberg, who is an MIT instructor, author, speaker, and CTO. So he's ten, been part of our industry through that side of things, attending conferences, speaking at conferences. So it's a very different take. So Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here with you and your community. All right. So the, I want to read just a just a tiny little bit from the blog article uh, that, that that Mark wrote about. So the title of it is uh, "Creating Engaging Conferences Your Attendees Will Love," which again sounds like exactly the kind of thing you know you or you would write, Will or I would write, um, you know, from someone who's outside of our industry. So here's 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 the quote that stuck out. One of the quote one of the quotes that stuck out to me: If your conference is just selling content, you're facing extinction. Every year, content becomes more readily available at lower cost. To stay competitive, you need to offer more. And as with any product, an emotional connection is far more valuable than the same product that's just bigger, cheaper, faster. Keep offering content, but if you can also offer networking, interpersonal activities, or other types of engagement, that's going to help you stand out. Most people don't remember that 3 p.m. Thursday talk from seven years ago. They do remember when they met a friend or business contact or the fun time at that social event. Build those into your event, and you're not only selling content, you're selling an experience. I love that. <laughs> Dang. Wow. That That's the Mike, episode. Mike Mar Mark, thank you so much for coming. That was incredible. <laughs> wow. Serious mic drop moment. I think that's so true. Wow. What an incredible quote. So, so Mark, just tell us a little bit about your background. I gave folks kind of the 10,000-foot the level, but maybe tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, kind of who you are, where you came from, and then, you know, how you kind of got into the world of events. Sure. I've had this interesting dual career. I came out of MIT with some 
computer science degrees. I started as a software engineer and realized I wanted to become a CTO. But to do so, I had to develop a bunch of professional skills, leadership, communications, negotiating, team building. No one ever taught me that. That's not included in school. So I had to develop it in myself and then realized, well, this isn't just for CTOs and other executives. These are universal skills even for junior people on the team. So I started to train up my team. Now, MIT had gotten similar feedback from companies saying, we want to see these skills, not just in your students, but in everyone, but we can't find it. So we created the Career Success Accelerator program at MIT. I helped to put it together, and I've been teaching there for the past 20 years. So I've been a classic CTO, and I build startup companies or Fortune 500s who want to play startup. But then I've also been teaching at MIT and elsewhere, and I recently put out the book, The Career Toolkit. And so I've been at events primarily in two ways. As a CTO, I've often gone to conferences and I've spoken and keynoted and chaired a bunch of conferences on very technical issues. But then I've also, as a speaker and doing topics relating to the book, have gone and done keynotes and workshops and other types of events at companies and on stage. I will note I have a little experience putting things together. When I was back at MIT, we used to run one of the largest ballroom competitions in the country. I was a competitive ballroom dancer in my 20s. And so I've nice. done a little bit of event production, but certainly not on the scales that you guys do. Mm, yes, I want, uh, man, uh, ballroom dancing. It counts. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. It counts. Uh, see, Amazing. Now, now, see, now I guess we're going to have to say you're inside the bubble because you actually did. <laughs> but here's the deal. You know, really when you break it down, in some way or form or another, almost everybody has had a hand in putting an event together, uh, whether it's a volunteer organization or, uh, a, you know, a, a parent-teacher organization or something along those lines. So that's, that's you know, that's that's not that unusual, I don't think. So, so I think my question for you, Mark, is like, what then prompted you to make this article, right? Like, were you at an event and you were just, I'm sick and tired of what's going on? Like, what, what prompted you to write this and what, like, spurred that moment to write this, the article about how to create better engaging events? For years, I've never been that excited by conferences. As I note in the article, if I go to a three-day event and I walk away with one innovative idea, I feel like that's a win. But if you think about it, three days of my time, plus the hotel and registration and everything else, that's a pretty high cost to get an idea that I might be able to get from a great podcast episode like this one or from an article. Is it really worth the three days? And as we're coming out of COVID, I've been ramping up the speaking relating to the book and what I'm hearing from all these organizations. Oh yeah, we want you to come in and do this talk. And of course I'll ask, tell me more about your event and the audience and what are you trying to achieve? So, well, people come in, they listen to talks, they pay us money. And I'm thinking, oh, this is, this is terrible. And as the rest of the world is changing, right, our offices were waking up and saying, it's no longer business as usual. It's no longer show up nine to five, five days a week. We're going to change how we do things. But I'm hearing the same old thing from event planners. I basically wanted to scream and say, no, you have to change what you're doing. And instead of just complaining, because I'm always a believer in let's create the solution, not just identify the problem, here are the specific things you can do to make your event one that people will want to do in the next few decades. Ooh, I like this. I, I, I feel like this is such a good point about like why it's such a good thing for the outside, because like you're saying to us like, hey, check your value as event 
professionals, period, because your event might actually be overpriced. And especially in a time right now where I'm hearing a lot of pressure from people saying, how much should I charge for my virtual? How much should I charge for my in-person? And you're kind of sitting here saying like, hey, it might all be too much expense, too expensive because I can get it for free. And as somebody who like literally primarily educate themselves on the internet, um, I, I think that this is hitting home and making me almost like kind of a wake-up call. It's like a it's like I'm getting the fish slapped in my face right now to be like, you know, what are you, what are you doing right now? <laughs> Wasn't the IRC, the, the, the bass, they slap, it was like slash slap and slaps you with the bass. All right. Well, someone out there knows what reference I'm making right now, but Brent, Brent, take us back on topic. <laughs> it's, it's, all right, it's all right. And you know, we can, we can slap you with a fish anytime it's necessary. Uh, you know, that's, it's, it, it takes a friend. Um, basically, you know, how do you then approach? So, so we want, you know, you're be, you, you obviously want the gig, right? You want the speaking gig. How do you kind of delicately approach and maybe help guide them into something that's going to be more than what we've kind of talked about on this show, the, the kind of the 45 minute stand and talk followed by 15 minutes of Q and a, how do we, how do we make our talks more interesting? It starts with understanding the value that I deliver as a speaker. Because if my job is just to be a placeholder, to stand on stage for 45 minutes or an hour, oh, okay, you can get me, you could get someone else, right? Pick someone's name from a hat and we can all fill an hour. And someone might be more funny, someone might be more on this topic, but we're all the same in that sense. But you're not just looking to fill an hour. You are looking to create an experience. It's why you want someone who has gravitas or who is funny or who checks certain boxes. You want a feel to the conference, not just here's some content to fill it. And that feel sets you up in a certain way. So one thing that I especially can, can start by pushing into, as we're coming back into conferences, we all, of course, miss the physicality of them. We miss seeing each other. We miss events from the past year. And one huge advantage that physical events have is better networking. Virtual networking just does not work as well. And so when I talk about how important is networking to your event? People say, oh, very, very important. But what are you doing to promote it? Well, we have a coffee break. We have the cocktail reception the first night. Okay, but that's what you've been doing. And you're, you're kind of operating at a two. How do we get your networking, which we know people especially want now, how do we take it from a two to at least a seven or eight, if not a 10? Well, as someone who speaks about networking, there are things we can do. We can create certain types of events, or I can incorporate into the talk to really promote and foster networking. And it can be done with even just little nudges. You don't have to restructure your event. Doesn't mean you can't do the coffee breaks, which are sponsored and a revenue generator. But if we just tweak how you get into them, we can make that so much more effective for your customers, for the people who are attending, and now they value your experience more and you create more value for them. Mm -hmm. So it, it seems like networking is then, a, I think, a big part of, of the engagement kind of uh, equation in a lot of ways. And we need to find ways to continually do this. As a CTO, you, you know technology kind of ins and outs. I think that's a question that we get a lot is, how do you think that technology can be used to guide people towards better networking without it being boring? <laughs> Great question. I think technology has unfortunately gotten in the way of networking. One of the things I often say when I'm teaching this at a, at a company or to students is that 
we add someone on LinkedIn and think, oh, I've, I've connected to you on LinkedIn. Great. We're networked. But then would you ever say, hey, I just swiped right on this girl on Tinder. Hey, look at my new girlfriend. Right? <laughs> oh, look, yeah, we just matched. This is, this is what I'm going to marry. You'd say, Mark, you're insane. But we do this on LinkedIn. We say, oh, I just connected to this big person. We're networked. Mm. Right? So we have this disconnect where we think, well, I've now connected electronically. I've sent an email. I've added you on LinkedIn. Therefore, we have a relationship. Now, we know with dating, after I swipe right, okay, well, at this point, now we actually have to build that relationship, which means going on dates. We have to build these professional relationships as well. We have to engage with each other. Now, what technology lets us do is create some new channels for that engagement. In fact, one of the best things that we could have done during COVID, and I used to teach this to people, when we were all stuck at home and everyone said, well, I can't go network now. I can't get out. I said, well, you might not be able to collect new business cards, but that's 1% of networking. The rest of it, of course, is developing those relationships. And that used to be done by meeting for coffee. Well, you couldn't do that during the height of the pandemic, but you can meet for a virtual coffee. And in fact, whereas meeting for coffee, I was limited to, let's say, a 50-mile radius from where I lived. I couldn't meet someone on the other side of the country. And if in 2017 I said, hey, let's do a virtual coffee, you'd look at me and say, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> now I can say, hey, let's do a virtual coffee. And go, oh, great idea. And so I can continue to develop the relationship with you using technologies like Zoom that wasn't really available years ago. So we can use technologies not to replace that connection, but to, in some cases, help encourage it or foster it or make it easy. And I think that's where technology comes in. Oh my God, so good. Well, real quick, because Brent, I'm sure Brent has a question. I never, ever get to use my dating knowledge to, to, to bring in a conversation. So I have to pounce on this analogy that you used, which is incredible. I believe for anybody who's like met their, their wives, the old fashioned way, like in a bar or, you know, or met their husband, you know, in a bookstore, like welcome to like Will's life of online dating in his generation. So you don't want to be a part of this in any sort of way. Um, but what interesting thing you bring up about, uh, the technology is that so many times that I, I talk to fellow guys who are online dating, they go like, Oh yeah, I'm on it. I swiped right with her. And why are we not going on a date or anything like that? And I had to develop these almost like new tactics for communicating digitally. And I never thought about this and applying it to work. So that's why I think this is such a great analogy, but Far too often, I would tell uh, you know my fellow guys, I'd be like, yeah, once you get swiped right on a girl, you need to get her number and, and get her off the platform. And it, the idea behind it is just that so many times people become pen pals inside these platforms. Like you said, a lot of people just swipe and they're like, oh, I'm connected, right? And they, that's all, all they go. But, and same on LinkedIn. So many people connect and then just never message. I think the same thing happens on these platforms. People message or connect and then just never go anywhere. But what you need to do is get them off the platform, get them off Tinder, get their phone number, and go and get a physical date with that person. Or in this case, a virtual um, conversation in this case where we're talking about virtual coffees. But I feel like that's such a good analogy to utilize is that, you know, it's it needs to be almost like it's a spark rather than the entire flame to the fire that you're in a building. So I, that was just a really incredible analogy that's got my brain churning in so many different ways, Mark. Let's, I'm, I'm let's keep... take that a little sur further, if I may, before we get to your question, Brent. And I feel your pain because... I'm single too. And I was going to say, you don't that. know about this like Tinder life unless you like I've done it. So, so shout oh, out, Mark. I, I suffer <laughs> through it. But let's consider some of these now have speed dating, right? They even have online speed dating. The league offers, I think every Sunday night, you can go on a couple three-minute dates virtually. 
Speed dating is actually a great activity for your conference. And I've been to conferences where we've had people who are on opposite sides of some type of arrangement. Boy, that, that sounds bad here we're talking about <laughs> dating. Uh, for example, I was at a conference where we had telecom providers and then companies like mine who were looking to partner with telecoms. And we set up a bunch of meetings. People had their profiles up. And ahead of time, you put down, I'm interested in meeting with these telecoms. They saw my company's profile ahead of time. They said, we were interested in meeting with you. And there was a series of 10-minute conversations. It was just very quick, just getting a feel for each other, that quick overview. And you can do a very quick pitch. And everyone gives you their focus for 10 minutes. And then from there, you follow up with other types of conversations. The reality is a salesperson or a biz dev person trying to just call up strangers and saying, give me 10 minutes. I know what that's like because I get calls from them all day long. And I don't want to give you 10 minutes because I know it's not going to just be 10. It's probably going to waste my time. But having this initial filter, we can each pick and choose who we want to match with. And then invest those 10 minutes, that's a great use of time and something I can easily commit to during an event. And that is something much better in person than just done online or outside the conference. I'm going to choose to continue the metaphor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can already see the I title could, of this episode. I could, I could take <laughs> it away, but you know what? It, you know what? It works. So, because what you got me thinking about is, is for all of these different types of networking, there are different expectations. And so having people, when people are networking, being on the same page as far as what those expectations <laughs> are is important. And that, that translates, you know, through not only dating apps, but also into things like LinkedIn. You know, what I use LinkedIn for is different from what other people use LinkedIn for. And it kind of matches the metaphor to a certain extent where like, yeah, let's connect. And then it's like, oh, by the way, here's 14 pair, like a cut and paste, 14 paragraphs of their product, you know, that they, you know, as soon as they connect with someone on LinkedIn, they immediately, you know, bombard them with the hard sale. And for me, it's like, and we're unconnected, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's so that's cause that's not what I'm looking for on that particular app, um, is, you know, I'm looking for connection, actual, like, you know, talking to people and things like that. Likewise, I think you'd see those type of analogies on the dating apps as well. I'm looking for connection, not just a one transaction <laughs> stand. Exactly. Right. So, pickup line. <laughs> so how can we you know, as, as event folks start to put in those guardrails a little bit to, to make sure that the connections that are being made are this, you know, the same types of connections that people want to make, you know, the, I think it's why, to be perfectly honest, when we see the failure of throw everybody in the room and at a bar, you know, that's, that's a different type of networking than the speed dating that you were just talking about, where we can actually sit down for five minutes, decide if we're going to have a later conversation. So how can we use our events to kind of put those types of guardrails in so that everybody is getting what they want out of those networking sessions? Great, great question. And certainly something like the speed dating was very clear. We're all there for reasons we understand. You can do general ones as well, because certainly I think everyone there is open to personal relationships. Forget even I'm trying to close a sale, just meeting someone. And we're gonna, we're gonna keep using this dating analogy. Certainly we know a great way to meet someone is just to have a fun social event. A friend says, oh, I'm getting people together for a brunch or a party, why don't you come? And everyone's relaxed and having fun. One of the things I recommend is that you do some 
almost purely social activities. Can you do a walking tour of the city, get some local historian or someone to say, oh, we're going to do a, a one hour or 90 minute tour of the place you're going that you probably don't know much about. Nothing to do with the conference per se. It's just purely fun. But while you're there, you're not thinking, well, I'm going here to network, but you're going to chat with the other people there and you're going to form some natural genuine relationships because you're not trying to necessarily sell to the person next to you. So we can also have a very organic way of doing it. But you can even indicate in people's profiles because a lot of events now will have the electronic guides, right? You have your app and you have everyone's profile and you can say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. I'm open to business development, open to sales. I'm looking for this. And even here is how to approach me. Because especially I know as a CTO, as a CTO, I am the hot girl in the bar because I have salespeople coming up to me left <laughs> and right. They know I've got budget and authority and they want to sell me everything they've got. So being able to say, here is how you can come to me, right? Send me a note ahead of time or you can catch me. But listen, you've got two minutes when you meet me and don't be offended if after two minutes I walk away. But setting those expectations are going to make it more effective for everyone so I don't get stuck with the salesperson who just isn't going to let me go for 20 minutes. <laughs> mm. Mm. Well, <laughs> go ahead, Brent. <laughs> well, I was just going to I was just going to say, you know, I know we've been spending a lot of time on networking, but it's obviously and it's an important part. It's something that we get asked about a lot, uh, you know, as far as how can we, you know, how can we improve our networking? How can we improve the connections that we come out of our event? I was going to give, I want to give you the opportunity to talk about some of the other things because you, you go through quite a list in your in your article about the ways that we can improve that. But before we do that, I feel like we have an opportunity here to to take a little break. Yeah, you know, I think we were starting to talk about uh, apps, weren't we? Right? Yes, we were. Were so there's lots of there's lots of opportunities. No, Will, you and I have had conversations in the past about the pros and cons of all-in-one solutions versus mm -hmm. uh, you know individual projects, kind of the juggernaut versus like piecing things together. What if I told you that you could have the best of both worlds? Ooh, I mean. That sounds too good to be true. Is that right, possible? Right. So what if you could have like a comprehensive solution that includes things like managing registrations and hmm. speakers and sessions and maybe even helping uh, build your website and promote that website as well as in-person event mobile experiences and attendee check-in and all of these things have the ability to have native integrations with marketing and marketing automation. That's a pretty uh, comprehensive that. solution, wouldn't you? I think so. I'd love me some marketing automation. And yeah, it sounds like exactly the kind of app that Mark was talking about that you need to drive engagement. Well, that's the kind of thing that certain can provide. Certain software not only can provide these comprehensive solutions, not only that, but they also can have these, they have their individual products, their individual products and extensions that can easily integrate into marketing and sales platforms. So you can have either the bits and chunks that you want, or you can have a comprehensive end-to-end -end solution. Their touch point, their signal extensions, both of those are going to offer real-time engagement and data management, and they're going to help you do just that. Now, in addition to that, Certain didn't just show up last year, right? Certain, mm -hmm. 
Their professional services team have an average of 12 years of experience working in the events industry. So they are not some fly-by-night pivot, pivot, P- pivot, they to come into, pivot, we got oh, to pivot, we got to make an event. Certain has been around for a long time now. So when you need a comprehensive end-to-end solution and the best, most robust, powerful native integrations, it's time to be certain. Allow yourself to shift from virtual to in-person, from in-person to virtual, and everything in between in a way that's certain. So check out Certain Software at www.certain.com, and we thank Certain for sponsoring the Event Tech Podcast. Thanks so much, Certain. So, so kind of back to the engagement conversation, Mark. Um, we're starting to talk, yeah, beyond networking. What other sort of ways do you think that we can create engagement and create more engaging events? Let's talk about things you can do at the conference and then after the conference. Ooh, at like the it. conference, you can do little value adds. Now, often at conferences, they will give you swag. I get a water bottle at every conference I go to, and Goodwill gets a water bottle after every conference I go to because (laughs) I don't need another water bottle or mug or T-shirt or any of the things that you can slap your logo on, which so can everyone else. It was fun when I was 22, and you like to get cool stuff, but most of us don't need more of that. But we all need something. One of the best things I ever got was a free headshot I've seen this at a couple conferences. They hire a local photographer. It's going to cost you maybe $1,000 to hire someone for two days. And this guy will just sit there and take headshots. And you can just walk up. There might be a small queue. And I'll take a headshot. And it gives you a nice professional headshot. Everyone's already dressed up for the event, most likely. Gives you a nice professional headshot for your LinkedIn profile. And if you can do that, that is low cost. But now everyone says, wow, that was really great. I've needed a new headshot. Every time they look at that photo, which they might use for LinkedIn, they might use on their corporate website, they think, oh, right, I got at this event. That's creating a very positive memory. It could be little things like a 10-minute security review of your website or a quick review of your lead gen funnel. There are all sorts of local business services or national, and they'll come in for it, who can provide services that either you pay for for a nominal cost like getting the photographer, or they're willing to do it perhaps for free. Doing that 10-minute security review, I'm guessing there are a number of companies who not only would be willing to do it for free, they might even pay to be at your conference because if you get 200 companies doing a free security review, you just got 200 companies added to your target list for sales. Now, you may, depending on the nature of how this is going, if they're paying the money, they're going to want to get those emails. Maybe it's even they don't get the emails. That's part of the deal. You let them come free, and this way customers don't feel, great, I'm signing up for something. But they got the free review, and those interested can follow up. They can hand out business cards, certainly. But little additional services, resume reviews, website reviews, really depends on the nature of who's attending and what they're coming to the conference for. This can create a very positive experience for your customers in a way that goes deeper than yet another water bottle that they really don't care about. 
Ooh, I like that. I, I, I always like thought that was a similar methodology I used when I first started my company. I, like we took pictures of all the people attendees at the events and we had, like we're a net club photographer at these high school dances that we used to do. And we take pictures and slap our logo on all of them and then put them on Facebook and then hand out cards that said go to the Facebook in order to get the picture. And what happened is everyone tagged themselves and then just basically became like viral marketing. Obviously you can't really do that anymore. But I feel like, you know, if you did that headshot, you could also, you know, slap a sponsor logo at the bottom left and then your conference logo at the bottom right. I bet you most people just upload the picture on their social media and never even remove the logo from it and boom you're like basically getting free marketing and again yeah everyone's always going to remember that every single time they go i love that idea i'll I'll bet you're right some some will and if you do in a way where they can cut it off easily great uh and don't put the logo on their face (laughs) that's right (laughs) no i you know and also at an i was at uh, an industry event uh, a couple years ago and they did uh kind of an ask the experts type thing where it was almost like the speed dating where it's like sign up for 15 20 minute slots and you know, I would like to think that not only did the attendees get something out of that, but I got out of that. Like, I really, I got to meet new people that I'd never met before. That's cool. Uh, so it was worthwhile for me as a business to to make those connections, like you said, to be able to. Oh well, you know, now I've got a contact at that organization that I can then, you know, maybe mention, talk to later. It was it was fantastic. To to your point, like I think when they do those like ask me expert things, like Brant, you and I have done like a million times. Like they stick us in a corner and they say, "Hey, come and meet Brant and Will, and you can ask him anything." What I find though is like when they just leave it open and I'm like in the exhibit hall, no one ever comes up to you. But if you could somehow make it where like I don't know, they put it on their schedule or something like that. Like I think. I, and Mark, I'd be curious to know like what your your opinion is of almost like forced engagement in some ways. Like, at what level is it too forced, and what level is it like, hey, you almost got to nudge people in the right way? Because as much as I'm an extrovert, sometimes when I go to conferences, I'm also the, probably the laziest attendee ever. I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go to anything. Oh, I, you know, I don't want to really go to that. What's your like thoughts around that forced idea of engagement? Nudge is exactly the right word. And let me give you a tip. We're going to jump back to networking for a moment. At these conferences, we all know, okay, this coffee break, or you might even formally call it networking break, and we all know what we're supposed to do. But most people wind up talking to their coworkers or looking at their phones. Even though we're all there for the same thing, people just feel really awkward meeting strangers. But if right before you do the break, whoever is doing that session, the MC or the keynote speaker says, everyone, welcome back to the conference. It's so great that we're all in person. And listen, one of the great things is that we can now all meet each other in person again. So here's what I want you to do. At each of the networking events today, make sure you go out and meet at least one new person. That little nudge now gives people permission that I can walk up to you and say, hi, we're supposed to meet new people. I'm Mark. And so what it's done is taken away, oh, this is me doing something and you could reject me. No, I'm doing what we've been told and you know why I'm doing this. So it takes away some of the risk. And that little nudge changes our psychology to make it easier and increases the amount of networking. So if you can do little nudges like that, little bits of encouragement or little micro rewards, I talk about some of this in the article, you can greatly enhance the amount of interaction and engagement, whether it's with your fellow attendees or some ask the experts or some other activity that you're doing. Cool. That. I'm almost thinking too, like almost a nudge too, is being like, Hey, just look over to the person you're right and say hi to them. And like, I found that like sometimes just like being in line waiting for food or something like that is enough to like make a connection. You end up seeing that person way more talking to them, 
hey, let's just eat lunch together and things like that. Like you're saying, like sometimes what you can do to de-risk everything is is so smart when it comes to engagement. I never thought about like the idea of, of the risk-reward almost mentality when it comes to engagement. For networking and a lot of the other professional development skills I teach, there's a lot of psychology there. And it's changes. It's subtle changes can create an entirely different outcome. Now, speaking of subtle changes, I also mentioned uh, what we can do outside the event. Because when it comes to psychology of your event, you're thinking about perhaps 365 days a year. As soon as you're done, you're now, okay, let's, let's start prepping for next year. But as an attendee, I think about for approximately five days, the day I register, and then three days at the event plus a day of travel, and that's it. That's it. Then I'm done. I've moved on. You would love to engage with your customers more than just during that brief period each year. Now, yes, you've sent out the follow-up email, and we all basically ignore it because we get too much email. Now that we've experienced virtual events, you can take your in-person event, and you still probably want to do your in-person event, but you can do a hybrid, not necessarily together, you may, but you can do virtual follow-ups. So what some speakers like myself are doing, we'll do that big keynote, and then we'll say over coming months, we'll do some type of follow-up virtual event. Maybe during the keynote, especially if it is a hybrid event, you have people in that chat, you have things being discussed that I can't always get to. Well, let's take those comments, let's take those topics, let's take what's of interest to the audience, and a month later, I can do a live Q&A where I address those topics plus others. Or maybe the keynote person does a series of small workshops or small mastermind groups with certain people from the conference. Maybe your gold level conference attendees, however you want to break it up. And it's a more intimate experience. It's not that hard for a speaker to add this in because if I'm doing three 45 minute additional talks, but they're virtual, I'm not getting on a plane. It's not a lot of extra effort, but it creates so much more value for your members, and it creates a much deeper experience that extends not just during that one week, but helps keep you top of mind at other times. So it's a really great value add and a much deeper experience for your attendees. Wait, wait, did you, you, Mark, are you like, are you Josh and Josh, are you really inside the industry? Because I feel like you're saying all (laughs) the same things ever in the industry is like, yeah, we should like, you know, community model, create a community afterwards, like create that long-term engagement, right? Like, oh, how do we create it in hybrid? And how do I deal with that? I just think it's just so funny that you're outside the industry and you're like, I'm an attendee and I want this. I think that says something though, because that says we're not doing it, right? So we're talking about it. But if folks outside the industry are still feeling this need and are feeling this void, um, then that means we're not necessarily doing a very good job of implementing those things that we're talking about. True. That's very true. I see it in very few events. And I would, I don't know the conversations you're having because I'm not in the bubble, but certainly while everyone wants to build a community, let's recognize that if you have a conference of 1,500 attendees that come in once a year, that might not be enough to really justify a full-blown community or not a highly engaged community. Now, maybe you put out your blog posts, you do some podcasts, you do have some webinars or follow-ups to the conferences as we've been talking about. That's very different than an active community where you might be running some type of uh, discourse server, right? And, and really active engagement 24-7. 
that does jive with uh, some of the things that Will and I have been promoting. This idea that um, yeah, there's there's some folks that are struggling. They're they're trying to say either or when it comes to online events or in person events. That it's like you know uh, will will online events even survive after we start going back? To, yes, it will. And and so what we're what we're seeing is just kind of a redistribution. So there may be fewer in person events, but then there'll be a few more of these online events, like you say, these follow-up events, these drips that happen in between your big in-person events that help drive traffic, help drive interest, help people keep people engaged, help, you know, continue the conversation. And those could be online events. Those could be hybrid events, smaller hybrid events. Um, And so, we're 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 hoping <laughs> that we can continue to promote that some some planners get it some organizations get it and have already started to incorporate you know using the whole playbook now that we know how to do in person events and we know how to do online events and we know how to do hybrid events you know let's incorporate this whole playbook into our event strategy over the course of the whole year even consider pre events Right? We get excited before we go to the conference, and you want early registrations. So imagine if for your December 1st conference, you say, if you sign up by September 15th, there's going to be a special webinar or a special interactive session with our keynote speaker or with someone else that you only get if you sign up early. And that's going to help encourage registration, help get you top of mind earlier, and not just when they're at the conference. And I feel like that's the biggest thing that everyone's trying to figure out right now is like, how can I keep loyalty high right now when loyalty is so low across events? And I think you nailed on the head. <laughs> it's it's right. not your content. It's your experience. So as we st- and 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 that's that's kind of where we started, right? Was that, yeah. that you can you, it, don't stop making content, but you're gonna have to start making more. It can't just be content and a, and a free water bottle or a, or a squishy <laughs> ball. So you know we we have to we have to start doing more. Um, so Mark, what have we forgotten? What have we left out? If you've got you got one more chance here uh, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you want to hit? Get the rant off your chest. <laughs> I would say talk to people at the conference, not your survey afterwards. Yes, do that, but I'm guessing the response rates are pretty low because I I know when I've done certain activities, I know I don't get a great response rate. Talk to people at the conference in the moment. What are they feeling? Try to walk the floor. Try to be there with them. Try to engage and see how they're reacting. Be very observant. Be a great listener. And so understand how in the moment people are engaging with their experiences and ask them, what things would you change? Or what if we did this and see what type of response you get? Don't be afraid to experiment over the next few years. But if you do so, you want to get that real-time feedback because I don't think surveys are going to be sufficient. Ooh, I like it. I like it a lot. It's just so incredible, Mark, I think, how you have totally hit the nail on the head of so many planner challenges and and the the what you're kind of seeing from the outside is just i think just such an incredible opinion and it's funny you're like yeah i bet you the survey results are so low and, and i bet you every planner's like yeah no one ever answers my surveys right <laughs> i love it don't don't wait for your customers to come to you in all my businesses i go out and talk to my customers and you need to do the same will what's what's the brand drinking game <laughs> know your stakeholders 
<laughs> so the brand drinking game is know your stakeholders, goals and objectives, and it depends. Um, so yeah, we got so, to it depends yet. <laughs> yeah, we, well, yeah, we, we were lucky. We didn't have any it depends today. Otherwise, it'd be a full brand bingo. Um, well, Mark, we know you've got a book. And it's it's not event related, but it all is related to to all of the things that we've been talking about. Obviously, because you know you 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 brought such a great viewpoint to the to the table today. So tell us a little bit about about the book. Um, uh, that because I think there still is a, a, an interest level here for folks. The book is the Career Toolkit: Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. It covers topics like leadership, communication, networking, negotiations, hiring, all these skills that we know are important that we use every day, but which we were never taught in school and often not even taught in our companies. So I, in addition to the book, get brought in to speak at companies, to speak at events. I can tell you networking is the big topic everyone's asked me about. They're saying, oh, we want to talk about networking as people are here and in that mindset because these are skills that apply, of course, across different industries and across different experience levels, and they're skills that will upscale every person in an organization. I love it. I love it. And I think that, again, to, to anyone who's listening, it's like, well, that's not an event book. Well, guys, like, I think when it comes to it, this proves that if you enjoyed this conversation, which I think if you're at the end of this episode, you've been enjoying this conversation, hopefully. Either that or you just love the sound of Brant and Will's voice, which I don't think is true. So, but I think if you enjoy this conversation, it proves to you more and more. And Mark, I, I this is why I think it's so incredible is like to get outside opinions and be thinking on the outside. And like you said, listen to people outside of what's going on. Don't listen to even, you know, the Ventech podcast being the only solution where you get things. It all comes into as context as a larger picture. And that's really where you're going to get these breakthrough ideas and find out what's important as well. So I would say, sorry, to the point of that is that if you're listening, <laughs> I know there's a point. If you're sitting here and going, well, that's not an event. If that's not an event book, I think I beg you to go and try Mark's book out and see. You might end up getting a new idea out of that because it's outside the industry. It's not even talking about events, and it gets you away. You're thinking about your attendees. Yeah, and get you think about your career. I mean, and you know, there's a lot of folks that are doing exactly that in all industries. You know, to your point, Mark, that it's this. You know, people are reevaluating their careers and saying, well, what do I need to do? to do better in my career or do I need to move on Do I need to, do I need to join the big quit or, you know, do I, do I stay here and try and build my way up? You know, when I talk to people about how they need to think through their career planning or business owners, how you need to think through their business, I always encourage them to talk to people in different industries. Too many people focus, well, you're not in my industry. Why would I talk to you? But by speaking to people in different industries, in different roles, we, get a diversity of thought. We get all these ideas. And so as you've noted, I'm not in the events industry, but how did I recognize these things? Because I've done enough types of things in enough industries to say, I understand the mechanics of how people engage. I've seen this work in other places. I'm not seeing it happen here. And so by looking at different areas, looking outside our bubbles, we can become so much more effective. And this is why I talk to all sorts of people in all sorts of fields. And I'm always happy whether or not someone hires me as a speaker. I'm always just happy to chat with them about their event to think through what they're doing. Because I learn new things as I hear what they're doing. And I can share ideas of what I've been thinking of and what I've learned. And that's shown through in our initial conversations. Like, this is a guy that I want to talk more about events with. So, Mark, 
Mark Hirschberg. The, the website is thecareertoolkitbook.com. Thecareertoolkitbook.com. Check it out there. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Will, bring us home. I think it's, I think it's time. I think so too. Well, we'd love to hear from you. You know, um, what what's the biggest thing that you've learned from talking to your attendees about engagement or about the events in general? What's the biggest thing that you've learned? Shoot us an email, eventtechpodcast at helloendless.com or hashtag eventtechpodcast on the favorite socials. Give us a shout. We'd love to hear from you as well. And I would also like to thank Mark so much for coming on the show. It's been absolutely incredible listening to you and, uh, you know, getting us to shake up our brains and Man, we got some dating dating analogies in, so I'm 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 all jazzed, 100. So, thank you so much, Mark, for joining us, and uh, Brant, thank you so much for for joining me again for another episode of the Event Tech Podcast. My pleasure. So, Mark, we have this thing we do at the end of every podcast, which is when we say it's time, we have to say time for Event Tech out, 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 out. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.